coming at you from North Jersey's premier wrestling podcast. This is The Animal House. What's up, everyone? Anthony Geraldo here in The Animal House. Nelly, why don't you tell everyone who we have on today? Well, today we got a guest that we're very, very excited to interview. He is probably the most feared athlete in any movie ever. And it happens to be in our favorite sport of wrestling. We have on the line today, we have Frank Jasper, a.k.a. Shoot from Vision Quest. What's up, Frank? Talk to me. Hey, guys. What's happening? None. Just chilling. How you doing? What's up, man? Yeah, we're out in L.A. It's raining. It's cold. And we're in shutdown out here. You know, it's coronavirus time. Um, it's, it's, it's surreal. It's kind of apocalyptic, you know, just showing up, taking care of my patients and just putting in the time at the office and just trying to keep myself busy. When you say patients, what kind of patients, what do you do? I'm a doctor of oriental medicine. I've been in practice for, uh, since 1993 and my wife and I have a clinic here in Pacific Palisades. It's Osani holistic healthcare. And so I've been in the community here since 95 in this location. Nice. What do you guys treat? So I treat basically the spectrum, you know, it, and I'm because I also was at Eastern Washington um, about the time that I got the movie, the role in the movie Vision Quest. I was actually an athletic trainer in the athletic training program in Eastern Washington. So I have the sports background and I love working with athletes and I love working with injuries and so I do a lot of back injuries, neck injuries, shoulder injuries. And uh, then I'm also using a lot of herbal and nutritional support uh, supplements for patients that are everything from allergies to hormonal issues to gut issues, which is a big thing these days. It's just your microbiome is so key to your how you process, how your immune system functions, how you emotionally you know, deal with things during the day. So... Wow, just a few things. We're going to have to talk after this because you might be of help to me. I have rheumatoid arthritis. so Yeah, you really need okay. to talk to him. I think he would be helpful. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you something. Tell us about yep. how you got into, I guess, acting. Well, as I just mentioned, I was an athletic trainer at, at Eastern Washington. And as a student athletic trainer, you were assigned to different teams at different times. And so at this particular moment in time, I was the athletic trainer for the wrestling team. And one of the one of the guys that was wrestling at Eastern um, had decided not to wrestle that season and to do the movie Vision Quest because he was getting paid and he needed the money. So he popped in and was watching practice and, they, and he just kind of looked over and he was talking to me about a movie that he was in. I was like, yeah, I'd heard that he was doing this movie and and. Any movie that's been done so far in Spokane was just like, uh, why would I lie was the last one. And it was Alden Alda. And, and it's like, have you ever heard of that movie? No, no, no. Okay. So I was just thinking like another movie shot. In Spokane. <laughs> <laughs> it has no following. Right. And so I didn't think twice and he's talking and he's like, you know, they're still looking for somebody. They're looking for this guy that's six foot tall, muscular build that can wrestle. He goes, that's you. <laughs> and he said, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. And he just kept harping on me. And he finally, he says, you know, the casting director is so cool. And, and I was, 
I was actually paying for my own education. And so, you know, I thought, well, this will beat uh, what I've been doing, which was I was doing some bouncing at a, at a slab in and at state line in Post Falls, Idaho, and <laughs> having to break up fights all night, <laughs> stomp around in the place where these guys, these cowboys were chewing and spitting tobacco on the floor. Oh, I mean, it was shit. like, let's, let's skip that. Let's, <laughs> you know, figured someday somebody's going to pull a gun on me in the parking lot or something, you know? So I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm moving on. And, uh, so I thought, Hey, I'm going to go check this out. I'll go see what it's about. Maybe I can, you know, just be an actor in the background, just a, you know, just, uh, just somebody that fills in the background and just, you know, see how a movie gets made or the best and character so, in the movie. Yeah. By far. I had no idea. Dude, I had no idea. <laughs> wow. How, how old were you when you did that? I was 26 years old and Matthew was 26 years old. Was that the friend that was telling you about it? No, that Matthew that... is Matthew Modine. He played Loud and Swing. Loud and oh, swing. right, right, right. Now, Rick Seafault was the guy that told me about it. And you'll see him. He's in different shots in the movie. He's in the, he's in the classroom. He's in the back. You know, he's got, you know, just like a bowl haircut. The guy had one of the thickest necks I've ever felt. And he wrestled internationally. And he swore to God, you know, that nobody could ever pin him in a head and arm. Really? And he had, like, just this bull neck on him. And, and so we bet a case of beer on it. <laughs> tell me and you drank it, tell me you drank all night <laughs> <laughs> so what he didn't know was i was my dad was a judo a black belt judo uh instructor and we he taught us when we were very young and it's a front you do like a front head and arm which means they're laying on their back you're facing them you snick your you know arm all the way around their head you put their head your head right next to theirs and you clamp down on that and if they move at all you'll knock them out it's like it, it's Jeez. It's, it's just like the sleeper hold, but from the front. <laughs> wow. All right. So you and submit so him? Did he knock him out? out? He almost, even though I had him in that position and I'm using my whole body, he lifted me off the ground. I was like, holy crap, man. Wow. This guy is just a beast. Anyway, but he was the guy, that, he was the one that had told me about going in for the audition. So was he like a college wrestler at the time? Yeah, he was wrestling at Eastern. So right. he had wrestled for Mead High School. And the coach that was overseeing all the wrestling was from Mead High School. So he, he brought in all these ex-wrestlers. So everybody that's like an extra in the, in the wrestling room, they were all wrestlers. They all wrestled in high school for the guy that was actually, he played the referee in the final match. That was the coach. And... Nice. He was the referee. I don't know if you remember. He looked like he's got a little flat top. Yeah, he looked like he could have been in the military. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, at age, I don't know, he was in his 50s at the time. He would still run two miles with kids and then come back and do heads, you know, handstand push-ups. Wow, that's like, great. He's in great shape. Really ask, good guy. Let me ask you, does, does Thompson High actually exist or is that just for the movie? I think that's me. I think that Mead High School has a, a kind of like a, a competitive, um, a turn, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's like they're sister team. It's like they have their, this is, this is their big uh, competition. So Mead High School has a school, and I don't know if it's called Thompson, but it's the same colors, I think. Right. Red and, and black. Your, and so your, your high school coach, in the movie was Hoover? 
Oh, so I play. I wrestled for Hoover High, and that was blue and gold. And then he he wrestled yeah. for Thompson High, which red was and red black. and black. Right now, I think Meade is blue and gold, and I think that Rogers. That's what I'm trying to remember. Rogers High School, which is their main com- competition right there in town, is red and black. Now I don't think they're called Thompson High though. You know. Right. Uh, but, so go ahead. No, go ahead. So the coach. That was for uh, their main competition of uh, Mead High was Rogers' uh, coach, and that was my coach in the final match. So there's some kind of cool background there in the film. Yeah, that's cool. I like hearing about this stuff. I mean, that's definitely the best wrestling movie, the only wrestling movie in my eyes. I mean, there was like takedown and win-win, but to me, come on, man. I mean, I'll be honest. I really don't think the match would have went down like that in real life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's no way this dude coming out of nowhere. He's going to drop two weight classes. He's going to beat the three-time state champ. That shit ain't happening nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Not unless you're good. Well, okay, so then there would be like, okay, so then what happened? Maybe something major happened in Shoot's background. We don't know about. We know nothing about Shoot. Maybe his mother was killed in a car accident, and maybe he caused it. And so maybe he's feeling like crap. I don't give a shit anymore. You know, eh, true, true. Maybe, maybe his dad was in the military and was like in the Marines and always would bring his buddies home at night to beat the crap out of his son to make him tougher and then bet on him when he went to wrestle. And so he wanted to get back at his dad. Who knows, man? Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. All that's sorts true. Of background. That's uh, true. But I think you wrestled as well, correct? I wrestled in high school and I, actually wrestled with a college team at Pasco College for a season. Just wrestled. I just went and worked out with the team because I was an iron worker at the time. Shit. Um, how, did you, uh, how did you get into wrestling yourself? Well, I was super small for my age. Like, um, I, went, I came to Coeur d'Alene High School from a place called Nespers, Idaho, and Nespers was 555 people, so they never even heard of wrestling. <laughs> they basically had basketball and football wow. and track. That was it. That's all they offered. So Coeur d'Alene, I show up as a freshman, and I said, oh, I'll go out for the football team. Well, I'm the second smallest guy in the team, and um, I was just <laughs> – I love hitting, but I was just too damn small. Um, so one of the guys that was on the team said, hey – the wrestling coach was out here and he saw you and he really liked you. We need somebody in the lightweights. So we should go. And so I showed up. I just went, okay. That's what you did back then, right? Wrestling because of that. That's what you did back then. People said, yo, you're wrestling. You just went out. You said, all right, that's it. We're going to wrestle. Um, let me ask you another question, which was, I was just kind of wondering about, I wanted to ask you, did you actually do your own wrestling? Like your, I guess it would be like, were you, did you have a double come in for you during the wrestling teams or did you do them yourself during the movie? Well, I think that's pretty obvious that I did, you know, and so did Matthew. Matthew, by the way, did all of his own scenes. And so did I. And we had one, one call, you know, when I go to body slam him and uh, the director says, Hey, we can bring in a, we can bring in a double for you. And Matthew goes, no, no, I'm going to do this. Oh, you know. Shit. And so we shot that one time and I, I got a good slam. I, I threw him flat on his back. You know, I didn't throw him on his side or on his shoulder. So he didn't, you know, you can, you can actually dislocate or shoulder. You can, 
you can yeah. break your collarbone if you're throwing on your side. Mm-hmm. So you, I threw him flat on his back hard and he rolled over afterwards and they called cut and I could tell he had <laughs> knocked the wind out of him. <laughs> It all, and it was like, wow, that was it. One you know, time. It's funny because I was uh, when I was watching the movie. I mean, I watched it a hundred times, but there's this, there's one match where you're going out there to wrestle a guy, and you end up throwing him. And I knew it was you. I could see the face through the whole scene. That's when he's sitting inside the stands, I guess, and he's trying to yeah. talking to a tape recorder about he's trying to scout out in your match, right? And that that was a scene that made me think, like, wow, he really must have done his own, you know his own scenes here or they just had a really good double yeah no we there was practice i think matthew wrestled for about six months i think that uh all the extras were around for a couple months and they practiced every day and so i would show up i uh, i came in about two and a half weeks before we started filming because they were on the countdown they were under the gun they had to find somebody they actually had cast my role two times before and it didn't work out either guy didn't work out well i'm glad you worked out because it's a perfect role there i mean oh thanks man do you know why the others didn't work out one guy i don't know if one guy could couldn't wrestle like they needed him to wrestle and the other guy had like this really gnarled leg and every time they threw him it would just like bleed we can't do that we can't have this guy out there bleeding every time we get thrown or something happens on the mat you know that's what i heard so you got to be fit for it i mean it would be only smart to get a wrestler you know i mean to do the part so how did you get so big like tell us about your journey with like you know weightlifting and all that so as i you know I kind of, you know, alluded to the fact that I was pretty small. Like I was one, oh, three to one twelve my freshman that year. Was How tall were you? How tall was I? Not very tall. I was five four, 104 pounds when I graduated from eighth grade. That's a lot taller my, than me. That was my that was my first driver's license. Five foot two, 104 pounds. <laughs> no. No way. <laughs> Do you have a picture of that? You got to post that. <laughs> yeah. I have to go dig that one up. But it's like, uh, at you know, at 14, we were in Idaho and everybody drove because you could drive back then. At, community. You could drive at 14 over there. Draw, everybody drove in Nespers. It's a farming community. And so when, when it was time to harvest, everybody drove. So that's how you got big working on a farm then. Well, so that was when I was small and then that was through my grade school. And I, you know, I did pick rock. I did, you know, do some bucks and bales when I was in grade school. But I was even as a freshman, I was like only 112, 115 pounds by the end of my freshman year. Um, so I didn't get big. I actually, when I graduated, I was 155 pounds. Wow. How, so, tall, how I, tall were you when you, how big were you when you did Vision Quest? Could you... You're, there's no way you were 168 pounds. I don't care what anyone says. There's no way. No. So, so here's the story. It's like I, uh, you know, read autobiography of a bodybuilder by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. You know, I had the whole Charles Atlas thing. Like, I'm not gonna let anybody push me around anymore. I'm gonna get big. <laughs> you know, that whole mentality. And so I was like, shoot, I'm gonna go bodybuild. That's what I told my dad. And he goes. 
okay um well you're gonna need a job while you're trying to figure that out so I'm gonna, <laughs> you're gonna go you didn't laugh at me luckily you just said you're gonna need to go work and make a living um and so i became a, an iron worker and i started working in the tri-cities as an iron worker and i would do swing shift and i'd get up in the morning and i would train every day so i started bodybuilding and then when i decided after three years four years of, of being an iron worker that i was like that's enough man i was working out in the desert on nuclear reactors and it would be during the summer it would get up to 134 degrees and just be blazing hot and then in the winter it'd be below zero and i'm like got this you know i i just got this idea that i can't see myself doing this at age 50. no nah, that's a tough that's so, tough out there like oh man these yeah. guys are tough i gotta tell you the, some of the guys uh, I worked with, I just looked at, I just couldn't believe one guy looked like a, a bear. Uh, he was my foreman. You know, <laughs> it was, he had the beard, he had the beard and the whole, you know, the whole thing going on before beards were popular. Yeah, he was like Grizzly then. Adams. He looked like Grizzly Adams, but he was thick. Oh shit. And he told a story that he got, you know, into a bar fight and, and he ended up getting a hassle with seven policemen and, and they beat the crap out of him finally to subdued him and he got handcuffed and taken away and got up the next day they let him out and he came to work and he was spitting up blood but he went to work anyway the next day jeez that's, that's what i mean it's like you think wrestlers have mentalities <laughs> iron workers got iron little, workers like, yeah that's, it out mentality. I'm, a, I'm a union worker myself and i see like you know what some of these guys go through and you ain't lying like the elements out there really take a toll on them it's it's a tough industry out there to be out there like that. It's not something yeah, I, I mean, want to do. It, so I, I went out with two other guys. I started, I got, uh, went out on the job site. Two other guys, they're brand new as well. They're both apprentices. I was in the, uh, as an iron worker for about three, three to four years. I put in 4,000 hours. I became a journeyman iron worker. But within that time, one of the three of us had already died no out of that three that walked out there one guy had fallen off and and just uh i was a pallbearer at his funeral and i was like this you can you know you're working at some place where people get killed yeah so, of course it happens you know, all the time that's yeah. that's some serious stuff that's why i'll be honest i couldn't do that i'm not gonna put myself out there like that one one wrong move it's over so it's as you can see i was like I'm like thinking like, well, maybe this is cool now because I like lifting weights and I like being aggressive and I like doing this whole thing. And I'm a kind of a crazy guy on the, on the iron. Mm -hmm. I was a lot of control in my life a few times. You may or may or not notice that, but uh, <laughs> that's my mentality. So I decided, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. You know, I'm, you know, going to get an education. I'm going to uh, work in a place where I have air conditioning and, and heating. And so that's what I went back to school. At Eastern Washington, and that's where I got cast uh, as shoot in Vision Quest. Just, just imagine that you're the guy that was wrestling that told you to go for the role, and you end up getting like a starring role. Like, what are the odds? Yeah, but what is it? Like it's crazy, <laughs> million to one, ten million to one. It's like it just happened to be the right place, the right time, and you know, it was such a great role. I have to say too, it's like they created this whole phenomenon before you ever, ever even saw me come on, on the screen. It was this buildup. Like of course, my favorite wrestling movie by far, man. 
Best yeah, it's song. got it's a cult. I mean, it's like a cult. If it's a cult classic, by far. Um, I mean, I I would like yeah. I was like, yo, that's the guy right there. That's the wrestler right there. Like, you know, you're training, you're carrying a log. Was that log even real? So it was lightened up a little bit, but it was just awkward to try and move up and down the stairs, uh, stadium stairs. And one of the interesting things about that day is that it was absolutely almost just bone chilling cold that day. And everybody in the crew that was there um, was wearing parkas and, and stocking hats and gloves. Jesus. And, um, and I'm out there in the t-shirt and under in the shorts and out sweating every yep well i wasn't sweating you know what that was mist they sprayed you that was glycerin wow had to they had to put glycerin on it because you couldn't sweat and that was like freezing cold crazy couldn't tell from nah i mean that's that's interesting i like i like hearing about this stuff um so let me ask you another like a question after this movie obviously everyone knew who you were did anyone ever step to you and want to wrestle you when they seen you in the street after this movie? Like, you know, anyone try and test you out there? So I, um, so the movie came out, this is kind of an interesting thing. So the movie came out and, and, um, I went, I went back to school. Uh, um, I'm going to, you know, I've got to kind of backtrack a little bit and tell you how it went because it was, this, this is, and I'll answer that question. Just remind me if I don't, but um, we shot, you know, I actually got cast in this movie after doing five auditions. I had to come back, come back, come back. And the last audition I did was one where I had to come and do the scene for the director, the, um, the director, the producers and the casting director from L.A., and the director liked me and the casting and the producers brought a guy down from LA that they liked. So I do this scene and then we go to the stage where they were shooting on set and they had a big mat out there, a wrestling mat and the coach, you know, that was uh, coach stone. That was a referee in the final scene. He had to approve that this guy could wrestle. He had to prove himself to coach stone. Oh, <laughs> so we get on the match on the mat and we start wrestling we do he would call out like single leg back and forth double leg back and forth you know duck under this that we just went back and forth back and forth back and forth so we're in the middle of this mat and the whole crew of cast and crew were all standing around looking and we're under the spotlight and this this is how it defined after that um john peters came up to me and goes okay you got the role so wow! So that, it was like a it was like a wrestle off. It was, it was like a wrestle off, wrestle off to some degree for the movie <laughs> spot. Like how often does that happen? <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. And the guy could wrestle. The guy was a good wrestler. The guy was a good athlete. He was a little bit lighter than me because at that time, when I because I'd been bodybuilding, I was at two fifteen. I was at two hundred fifteen pounds when you did the movie. No. Oh, that was when I got cast. Oh, so you had to cut some weight then. Yeah, I cut 25 pounds in two and a half weeks. Wow, you had a shred. No way. I sucked down, and it was like, so here's my here's my usual day. I get up, I go, um, I go up to Eastern Washington, and I go into the Commons. We have like they have a meal plan, and so I'm on the meal plan, man, because that's what I can afford, and that's like all you can eat, you oh. know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Fill it up. 
So I would start out with at least six eggs in the morning, five pancakes and bacon. And I would take hard boiled eggs in my pockets and walk out of there. That's breakfast. And While I, you were trying to it, shred? Be, no, this was like. Oh, you're just your regular eating. Okay. When you're so bodybuilding. Getting, you know, I'm, I'm a bodybuilder. I'm at Eastern. I'm building. I'm trying to get ready for a contest. I want to put every, as much weight on as possible. So I'm out there eating. And my meal, my dinner was five platefuls. I had to eat five platefuls of food before I could leave. Holy cow. That would either be spaghetti or, you know, chicken breasts or I didn't know what a vegetable Ooh. was back then, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> not how that goes. Yeah. Oh, now fast forward, I get cast in the movie. I'm with 215 pounds. We're two and a half weeks out. Yeah, I got 25 pounds. My dinner now looks like non-existent. I have some breakfast. <laughs> my lunch is now salad with some tuna and a squeeze of lemon. And then I get on an exercise bike for an hour after that, about three or four. Shit. Sounds about right. Did they, they picked out your meals for you? You had like a, I guess like a dietitian no. on the job, on the team for no. you? No. no, no, they had a dietitian on the, on the thing on the, on site on, uh, for Matthew. Cause Matthew was trying to build up. So Matthew's lifting weights. He's eating, he's eating right. He's taking nutrition and you're starving. You know, <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> So everything he went through in the movie is what I went through in real life preparing to do the movie. Wow. That's crazy. And that, and that's just so ironic to me. Yeah. So, so he was actually bulking up in the movie. They had yep. him losing weight. So you were basically like 190 when you did this, when, when you were actually supposed to be at 168. So I dropped down to 189. That's where I, for, and then we shot for 10 weeks. So you got to maintain that basically. Oh, man, I tell you, I was, you know, part of my character, I didn't have to do anything other than just kind of growl because I was in just not a happy camper. And my, I was like burnt. My, my deltoids were catabolizing. I was in so much pain. They were just aching, you know? <laughs> yeah. Were you lifting still during this or no? No. No, 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 right? no, it was just high reps. I was just riding that extra cycle. I was ripping down. That was it. And they, all they said to me was, you need to cut some weight to to look closer to matthew they never even gave me like a number you know or anything yeah that's what i was gonna ask you they would have kept no. it going they would have had him weighing like 168 for real they would have kept this shit on <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that would have been insane <laughs> do you have a picture of you right before you started filming um you made it before i cut my weight yeah god i i wish i did i'm trying to look back That'd be cool um, if you threw one up like that, like what you were, and then what you were when you filmed. That would be a cool. Picture. Yeah, but remember what I was eating. So I, I think that I do have a picture of like an interview that I did for spoke uh, spokesman review, and I looked like kind of puffy, a little round face because I was eating like carbs and and uh, pasta all day long. Yeah, you said pancakes. Like I think pancakes. pancakes. I had I had twice during wrestling season. Maybe it was like Christmas and. I don't know, maybe like the end near my birthday. Yeah. Yeah, I got to cut the carbs, dude. Yeah. So yeah. so did, did anyone ever try you, though, outside? Let's get back to so that. So in regards to that, I never had anybody, you know, except for like recently. Really? Okay, so <laughs> like recently. Wow. Like, and it's these little, it's these smart ass little punk high school kids. Like when I go do an appearance, you know, I go like I've got a few coaches that I, I've come to their teams and, and 
done a, a, a few different appearances and they, they think that they want to take shoot on. Well, you know, it's like, I haven't wrestled in 30 years basically. <laughs> and I'm 61 years old. Do you think maybe you're going to take a shot at me? <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. They're punk kids today. They definitely are. You know, so, but, yeah, they, they have no, they have very little respect. I remember we used to respect our elders a little bit. You know, yeah. we would listen. That was a long nowadays, time ago. <laughs> yeah, everybody's kind of poppy cocky and, tough everyone's a tough guy you know yeah you know um it's the reason why i asked that is because i once read an article that after brad pitt did fight club and he did um the other one where he was playing the lackey what the hell's the name of that movie the one uh that they did in in um like England or something. Ireland. Yeah, in England. And a guy, Richie, did it. And he had this cockney accent. And you couldn't understand yes. the freaking word he said. Yes, with the caravan. So that, that movie. That. You know, they said that article. There was he. I remember reading an article that guys were actually trying to fight him in the street. And he's like, yo, I'm an actor. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's exactly. crazy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so tell us about your personal life now. You, you um, I guess, let's, let's talk about this. So... You're married now, correct? How long? Been married uh, since 1990. Okay, so. so that's only a couple of years, like six years after the movie was released, correct? Yeah. Did your so wife know wife who you were automatically when she met you? Pardon me? Did your wife know who you were the minute you seen her? Okay, so the story about that is is that my, my wife was a, a local here. She was born and raised in California. And her son was at the time working at a video store. And I met her because she was uh, through my business manager, because I had a business manager. And he said, um, and we had, we, we connected really well. And, and uh, I just started seeing her. And then we just, we just three months later moved in. And then three years later, we got married. That's awesome. But did she know yeah. you were shoot like right away? Like, so she didn't know. She thought that I would, when I said I did a movie vision quest, she was thinking, oh, so you did some Native American movie? And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> she thought I did some kind of a spiritual movie. Not that it wasn't spiritual. You know, there was everywhere spirit in the movie. So, um, no, but so, so she calls um, and she's talking to her son and she goes, hey, do you know this movie vision quest? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I know the movie. And she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm dating a guy. He was in the movie. He played this character named Shoot. He goes, Shoot, <laughs> you're dating Shoot. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. So he was a big fan of the movie and the character. That movie had a couple of, uh, had a, a lot of people in there that had pretty good careers that had um, Daphne oh. Zuniga from, she was in, yep. I think, like, uh, 90210 maybe or one of those yeah. like melrose maybe 90210 i think, I think right mel yeah it was one of those it might have been melrose and then you know she had some great she's a great character actress yeah, yeah. then forrest whitaker was in there blow blew up yeah he didn't he even say a word he didn't say a word throughout the whole movie he had just a just one or two lines i think he had with otto it was just really simple little thing and so i didn't really talk to the actors but i did talk to him one time and he was like, yeah, he's, you know, his career was kind of slow right then, but he got Vision Quest. And then he got called in for this audition. He goes, yeah, I had this audition and they, I think they really like me. I, I might get this role. It was in the color of money. Wow. 
you know Paul Newman scene where he's like he he uh, it's a it's a pool shark movie, yeah. right? Yep. And so he does a scene with Paul Newman, and he totally rocks it. I mean, you just like, oh my god, he can do a scene with Paul Newman and just stay at that same level. Yeah, that's amazing. And from that point on, he started getting role after role, and just, I mean, he's yeah, he, he, he was took in, off. He was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, also. He played a football player and, yeah. <laughs> and you know, this big lineman. And, Sean and Penn so, crashed his car. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Penn. <laughs> yeah, he crashed his car. And, Dude. Uh, Dude. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's a great actor. And then you had a, uh, you know what? That guy Otto was pretty jacked up in that movie. Gary Casper is his name. Yes. Yeah. He so, is jacked up in that movie. Yeah. He's in great shape. And um, so just a little follow-up, Gary, uh, I come down to L.A. I've never acted before. And so I start going to acting classes. And my friend tells me about this gig at Universal Studios. I met this guy and he says, oh, yeah, you got to come up, try out for this role. And it was a, a double swordsman in a live action Conan show at Universal Studios. So there's like. 60 guys trying out for three three parts and i was lucky enough that i that i got the role and so i'm now up at universal doing live shows then they can they end up seeing like oh we need to we need to add another character or two um we need to bring in somebody and so i just happened to be in touch with gary casper and said like oh hey dude come in you know we always like to surround ourselves with good people and gary's a really nice guy i said come in and check it out try out for the role see what you got yeah, he was. He was. Get this. He was pissed so he off comes, at Loud and Swain in the movie. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. So he comes in. He gets the role, and so now we're on this. We're on the same. They have like three or four teams up there, Conan teams, and Gary and I are on the same team. I just thought that was just kind of like, oh, isn't that interesting? How life is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, my uh, my brother-in-law is an actor. Actually, he had a similar, I guess, start to acting as you did he was a golden gloves boxer and mm -hmm. he needed something to fall back on they were shooting they were um they were going to film gladiator with cuba oh. gooding jr okay he went he actually got a leading role and then his oh. career took off he was a wrestler as well though yeah so yeah that's pretty good i mean um you know I mean, we also have to talk about michael schultling who was a wrestler okay so he wrestled at and had a college scholarship. He was like some junior national champion. Really? So Stunned. fast forward, I'm and I'm here in Pacific Palisades. I have not connected with the wrestling community for 30 years. I just kind of doing my own thing now. And uh, the Pally High wrestling coach, you know, uh, said, "Hey, and like, why don't you come over and you know say something to our team?" And so like, I was like, "Okay." went over there and I get to talking to him and he was Matthew Schofling's roommate in college. He's now the coach over here at Pally high in Pacific Palisades. Wow. So it's just a small world, especially in the wrestling community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and when you're, when you're involved with wrestling, like if you get involved and you stay with it, you pretty much have friends for life that once you meet them, you know, it's a tight-knit community. Um, I yep. got friends since I, the first kid I ever wrestled with 
Michael Ciccarelli from North Bergen, where Anthony's from. I wrestled when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I'm 48 now. We're still friends to this day. Yeah. You know, yeah. you never forget the people that you grow up with. And, you know, wrestling's a certain kind of bond that not everyone would understand unless you wrestled somewhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like totally going to battle thing. together. Of course. There's a, similar, there's a similar feel on the football team. But I just, you know, wrestling is, like you said, just that extra, you know, it's like you guys, you're going to battle. This is like warriors. You guys are warriors. Um, you you're know, a warrior not, too. You wrestled. It's not just you guys. You yourself, you, you wrestled. You're a wrestler. But it's just like, it's, a, it's like everybody that is a wrestler is just, I consider them a warrior. And it's like, you're going to battle and you step out on that mat and it's like, you're putting your, you know, there's no way, to, there's no place to hide. No. You know, it's like, oh, you missed a block. Oh, who saw that? I don't know. The, the instant replay might have picked it up. Nobody saw that. You tripped over your own shoe. If you're out on the mat and you do something stupid and somebody throws you and pins you, they're just like, oh, my God. Yep. That is like, you know, what did you do that for? <laughs> yeah, that's – and I say that all the time. I tell people all the time, like, listen, there's been days that I lost, and you got to come home. you got to look yourself in the mirror. You can't blame anyone. You can't right. say this guy missed a layup, this guy dropped the fly ball, this guy dropped the yep. pass, or he fumbled – it's you versus him. You suck today. You lost. Suck it up. Get better. That's all you could do. So it's also probably one of the best sports for uh, spatial awareness, other than uh, and including uh, uh, gymnastics. You have to know your place in space and time. Your kinesthetic awareness is heightened because of that. And and you got to know only your space, but their space. Where are they at at any moment in time? That's so true. I never really thought about that. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, uh, so I've, I know you've been to like beat the streets over here in New York, correct? Yeah, that was uh, about three, four, uh, I wonder, or maybe it's almost five years ago. And it, it was really a cool thing. They set up a wrestling mat there at Libby Square. Yep. And in, in, uh, Times Square. And uh, they created a nice little platform, and they brought guys. They brought the Russian national team in. That wasn't the one I wrestled. That was it. I think it was one Anthony wrestled that. Yeah, I think it was the one that he Dude. wrestled that. So did they go to the what was the uh, the club that they went to afterwards? Oh, where they the had Rocker. the uh, they had the party afterwards. The, yeah. The, uh, damn, what the hell? The gala. They had the gala afterwards. Right. And wow. and Mike, what's his name? The guy that ran that. Novogratz. Yeah. Novogratz was the one that brought me out. And what was really cool, so wait, I have to ask you, how'd you do? I didn't even know what weight you were wrestling at at the time. No, well, I I was wrestling. You were in high school. I was wrestling, like, before, like, the men's. I was, like, yeah, I was in high school. So I wrestled, like, an hour before the men's went on. Okay. So you probably weren't even there. It wasn't even packed when I was wrestling, really. Uh, well, it was a cool setup, it right? It was real fun, yeah. I mean, I live right across the river in New Jersey. Like, it's like 20 minutes away, and it was just a whole, it was a really fun event. You tech yeah. the kid, though, right? Didn't you tech the kid? Yeah, something like that. I was just wrestling. I wasn't even wrestling anybody from, like, Russia or nothing. I wrestled uh, one of the Beat the Street kids. Right. So, yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. So, 30 years since Vision Quest, something like that. Um Hadn't spoken, haven't seen Matthew. You know, Michael Novogratz sits next to Matthew in the, I guess, uh, basketball games, the pro games that are there. And he says, Matthew, can you come out and do this? And Matthew goes, sure. 
And so Matthew shows up and I show up and we get to sit on the edge of the mat. I haven't seen him for like 30 years. And we just talk the whole time about just how interesting this whole thing is that Vision Quest has lasted this long and that it was just such a, a cool thing to be a part of. And yeah, it was just a really cool thing to do just to sit there and, and just, you know, hang out with him. And, and he's still the same guy. He's still married to the same woman. He's That's awesome. Just key. He's had an amazing career. I know he's done like 60 plus TV shows, movies. He's done some iconic uh, movies besides Vision Quest, you know. Of course, Birdie, Birdie, and Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. I was just gonna say that. What is you know just a storied career, really, you know? And he's still working, and and he's directing. He's got different projects that he does. You know, I heard a rumor that, and it was a rumor, obviously, because I don't remember it because I wasn't at that Meet the Streets, but I heard you guys were supposed to wrestle. I beat the streets. Is that just all shit talk or was that actually supposed to go down? Never happened. Never approached. Nobody ever said a word. See, that's what they told me. I'm like, wow, I would, I would have been mad if I wasn't there for that. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been great. I don't know if you remember this, Anthony, but so I'm watching and I think it's, it's, uh, what's his name? The, well, he's probably just under the heavyweight and Vern, uh, trying to think of his name. Jake Varner. Jake Varner. Now that guy was shoot incarnate at the collegiate level. <laughs> what? Yep. Seriously. Yeah. I was at uh, you know, I was at the function afterwards and I'm I, he was walking down the stairs and I was walking up and I went to pat him and I was just like I just hit a brick wall. And, <laughs> and he was he's like six, two or three, it seemed like, and he was just this beast. And during the match, this guy shot in on him and he cartwheeled. He's like 200 and some pounds. He cartwheels over and gets behind the guy and go, are you serious? Yeah. He's That's such, some oh. sick stuff. He's such a legend and role model, man. Olympic oh. champ. It's, yeah. It's amazing. I got his sneakers. I got two of them. Can't believe he pulled that off, man. It's crazy. So, yeah. like, have you been back to one of those Beat the Streets events? And one of my good friends, this guy, Kevin Barnhacker, he actually, they hold a, uh, a tournament called Step in a Circle. And it's for anyone that wants to wrestle and it can wrestle. And I wrestled in it like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I blew out my knee on the first takedown, but whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to sit Matt side against USA versus Cuba. It was actually really good. I got to see, uh, actually, they brought in, what's his name? Chimizo, Chimizo wrestled uh, yeah. Jordan Burroughs. Oh, wow. But the only thing was, it was like, it was up on top of a roof in, in, uh, at South Street Seaport, Lower Manhattan. And it was on the water. It was the mat was getting wet, like from the humidity. Oh, I was gonna say, is this the infamous mat that's just slippery? Yes, <laughs> I was there front row. Like... <laughs> oh, right. Definitely a good time, though. I mean, it's always cool to see stuff like that and promote yeah. the sport of wrestling. Yeah, you know, it's always big. Uh, and you know, and they they keep trying to do these kind of promotions, and then one of the athletes blows their knee out. I'm trying to think of if it was David uh, Taylor. Yeah, it's just oh, like I just no. was. Oh no, he didn't do that. That's gonna just step this whole thing back. They're not gonna be wanting to do this again, so putting their sad. athletes in that position. I was there. Again. That was just last year. That was yeah. That yeah. was in, that was when it was at Madison Square Garden, but it was in a, a Hulu theater. Maybe I think it's called. They, they have that little room there. There was like four thousand, five thousand people. These guys, pretty are, cool. these guys are wrestling hard every day. Like it's really freak accident. The best yeah. part of that was when Suriano beat. Oh, yeah. Cologne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He beat Cologne. Yeah. Suriano grew up over here by us. I don't know if you follow ah. the sport, but he's 
He's definitely one of Jersey's. I mean, he may be Jersey's best, best ever. Best wrestler ever. Is yeah. he at Rutgers now? Yeah. He is, but he's he training for the Olympics. Yeah. And then this whole COVID-19. What do you think about that as far as like the college wrestlers not being able to get a red shirt for this? NCAA is being canceled. It's, it's crazy. Terrible. It's crazy. Well, I mean, even I under- trials. Yeah. I mean, my God, you have to really look at this. And, and I don't know why they're saying like, oh, well, the spring athlete's going to get another year of red, you know, of, of eligibility but you're not going to give the wrestlers they came right up to that precipice and then they never got to experience the ncaa's you know what really what happens if you're a senior it's your first time making it and maybe this was your year maybe you do place an all-american now you don't have a shot that's i think that's bullshit i think it's very unfair yeah i'm with you i think it's i think it's bullshit i i think it's very unfair if they if they were going to do anything they should have just postponed and pushed it yeah and yeah absolutely yeah, let's just have it next, you know, at a different part of the season. You know, um, I mean, anyway. I think I think D1 athletes, they have pretty much like, they have, they have doctors that they deal with that are all very good. I think they could have said, listen, we're going to postpone it, stay home for a month, continue, you know, you guys can continue to train after a month because it's only the same guys that they're with as long as they follow the social distancing, whatever. But if they're in a the room and they're being monitored and safe, I think, I think it would have been all right. But, you know, wrestlers, they cut weight. The whole year, and then just to take that away, like, but you yeah. can say like basketball, like baseball players are going to get another year. That's crazy. I don't see that. Yeah. I don't see that. It's not fair. Yeah, they should really relook at that. And I think that they kind of jumped the gun a little quick. And I think that's uh, I'm with you on that. I think that they need to make that up somehow to these athletes that decide if they would like to get another year of eligibility. Offer that. Yeah, it's like. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a shame. I mean, this whole COVID-19 thing, I mean, no one, I, I didn't think it was going to take off like this and be crazy like this, but unfortunately nope. it did. How are you dealing with that over there? Is everything in Cali? How's it going over there? I mean, so we are, like I said, we're in massive shutdown. We started, uh, we closed our office on March 17th. I'm in here fulfilling, you know, a couple of supplement orders for patients that want to keep their immune system strong. We're about two weeks behind New York. And so we're looking at, what what's going to happen here um that's starting to hit the beginning of that like where it's going to spike and we're going to see if the social distancing it will flatten the curve out there is this thought and this is I, this is nothing that's been tested yet they're in the process of looking into this as a potential but they think that there might have been uh exposure and back in november because we had i heard that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight thousand chinese a day might come in here from wuhan which is a big you know la is a big place you know destination point and so we were already in it and didn't even know and everybody that was having uh, and i have several patients that went through this process of getting the flu getting the flu getting the flu or getting you know a virus and it, it just really took them out um and they came back and they hit him again but nobody knew it was coronavirus yeah it's crazy it's scary it's potential that they actually have been exposed they had it they uh had developed some antibodies and so we might have uh herd immunity because of that we have been pre-exposed to that here in la and we're not like new york where everybody's on top of each other we're not in you know the massive car you know the the public transportation we do have some but most people are in their cars separated 
you know. Yeah, it's not like New York where you got the subway takes you everywhere, right. buses, right. cabs, Ubers. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. over here. It's like I know I know a bunch of nurses and um you know, they they told me that it's really sad and it's it's really bad like the people out here don't know what it's like. I just hope that everyone gets safe, you know, everyone's safe. I don't want to see anyone get this. Not even a stranger. It's it's something I hope goes away fast. So the way it has to go away fast is everybody has to be really smart about this. You know, <laughs> the people that, you know, went to funerals and then, you know, three quarters of the people got sick. The people that went to religious, you know, um, oh, assemblage and a bunch of people got sick, except there was one family where one kid was survived. Yeah, that's sad. Oh. It was like, come on. It's like, let's be smart. You know, let's, we can do everything we need to do, but let's let's be very smart and keep social distancing and not pass it on to somebody, even if we don't have the symptoms, because it's asymptomatic a lot. Right. Um, it's like 10 to 20,000 times more viral, you know, viruses that are there in the system than SARS. So it was super contagious and asymptomatic. So that makes it a problem for people to identify and then to isolate. It's it's scary. I mean, how much longer, though, do you expect people to stay inside and not be involved with the outside world? We're already going on almost three weeks here. Yeah, I think it's going to be we're just starting into. Well, uh, I, you know, I think we're going to be at least two to three weeks to see if we've flattened the curve. And then after that is like, how do we start back into normalization without incurring that? Uh, from coming back you know are they we, say are it's going to come back they said it's going to it's going to stop for like a couple months and then it's going to come yeah. back again so in that time frame uh if it comes back we're going to be much more prepared i think that people are going to be smarter everybody's more about i can't tell you how many ha- times i've washed my hands now oh yeah in the past two to three weeks i think <laughs> i don't have any you know fingerprint you can commit crime right now <laughs> oh my gosh so wow. And it's, it's kind of surreal because now they're asking everybody to wear a face mask if you go into a grocery store. Oh, here. over here, it's crazy. People got face yeah. masks on. They're wearing plastic bags. They're yeah. putting shit on their hands. It's, But then again, you see some other people. Like, I went to ride my bike the other day. The day I talked to you, actually, on Monday, mm-hmm. when I just got off my bike ride, I, uh, I, I went on the bike path, and you would think that it didn't even exist down there. I was like, yeah. you crazy? It was packed. I was like, oh, shit. I had my mask on. But, you know, it's hard to ride a bike when you're breathing with that thing on. But it was just weird to see so many people. I guess the people that weren't social distancing were, like, the couples and families. But, you know, people were trying to stay away. But then again, like, there's people running down there without mask. People walking their dogs without mask. Just, I don't know. I just, I just hope that it goes away fast. That's all. So there's a, an understanding that like, just think about it. If somebody's smoking a cigarette ahead of you and you, how often do you find like, Oh my God, I can smell that guy's cigarette. And he's like 15, 20 feet away. Sure. Like it's in the air still. So it takes a while for that, you know, particles. If somebody sneezes, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be more than six feet. I'm just going to say that. Of so course. I just want, be smart about this. Take care. You know, take care of yourself. The most important thing is wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. They say the the human the human being touches their face two to three thousand times a day. Yeah, I can't. I don't understand it. How? Maybe maybe 
three hundred, but three thousand times, two thousand times. That's crazy. I don't. I don't think I even do that. I don't think I do that. But then I again, think people do it unconsciously. I think it's just an unconscious thing to reach up, rub your eye, touch your face. Right. You know, it's unconscious. And if you're rough and a doll, you know, you're not going to make it through this. No, it's yeah. How, let me ask something. Has your you know business... who Ralph and Nadal is? No, no. <laughs> okay, so I I'm a I'm a tennis player. So part of what I do for my you know uh, cardio is that I run out. I play tennis. I don't I don't like to just run. I just can't run. That's just not my thing. But I'll chase something. So and if somebody's trying to make me you know lose a point, then I'm competitive. I'm not going to let them get a point. So I'll chase a ball. Um, so I'm playing tennis. Well, one of the top guys in the world is Rafa Nadal, and he incessantly, before he does anything else, he pinches, he pulls his shorts, rubs over one ear, rubs over the other ear, rubs across his face before he serves the ball every single time. Wow. So he's a, he's like this obsessive compulsive tennis player who touches his face probably 15 to 20 times every two to three minutes. Jesus. So he's probably hitting like 7,000. Times a day. Yeah, he's, he's going to be. He's, he's skewing the mar. He's skewing the bell curve. <laughs> <laughs> so you play tennis then? So, so I don't know if you guys know about North Idaho College, but I went to school at, at Coeur d'Alene High School, and instead of wrestling my senior year, I went and played tennis indoors in Spokane because they have indoor tennis courts in Spokane. Oh, your coach was probably pissed. <laughs> he he was like. My friend and I were two seniors and both of us, he was at 136. I would have been at 155. And wow. he looked at us and he's like, he just shook his head and like, no way. You guys do that. <laughs> I was like, looking, looking back, I was like, God, what was one of the stupidest things I did, but all right. So that's pass. Okay. But I um, went and played with a college team over in Spokane through the winter and got a college tennis scholarship at North Idaho college, which in the north in the junior colleges it's one that wins the junior college national championship right. on a regular basis as a wrestling team right so i had all this opportunity i just so bizarre that i was there right there and didn't didn't become a wrestler i think my closest experience with tennis was we used to play before school or in gym we would play it every now and then but then like to get a quick work on and i'd go and play with one of the teachers the gym teachers it was a game called pickleball. Yeah. That is fast paced and it's fun as hell. Yeah. That's almost, it, it, that's good. And I like handball too. Yep. But uh, if you ever come to the East Coast again, I'll make sure we play like pickleball or something. I don't know about tennis, but pickleball I could play at least or handball. I'll play you in one of those, but I can't. Tennis is way too quick for me. So my son-in-law plays pickleball and he loves it. He he moved back east and he just you know loves the whole competition, the whole thing with it. And so he says, big translation. You can, I mean, transit. It just translates very well from tennis to pickleball. And so I hear it's a great sport, uh, pickleball. You and know, it's, it's, I went. I went to. Uh, I used to go to Cali a couple times. I was out in LA, and I went to Venice Beach. Yeah. And I saw they were playing. It looked like tennis, but it was on a real small court. What is that? They call that paddle ball. But it was with the tennis ball, though. It's with a tennis ball that's been flattened, so it has no air in it. But it's, and, uh, and it, it looks like giant ping pong paddles, almost. Yes, yes. Yeah. There was a thousand people out there waiting to play. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? It's huge. Yeah, it's big. I was like, I was looking. I'm like, that looks crazy. I'm like, that looks like a tennis ball. But, all right, that seemed pretty cool. 
Yeah. And they, they have challenge. They have a whole challenge system down there in Venice Beach. And it's, it's you know, there's uh, I love just like the down here. Yeah. Down here in Venice Beach and, and along the boardwalk here or down the Venice boardwalk anyway. We have cement. We don't actually have boards. Yes. Venice. Venice is definitely cool. I like it over there. Now, you said you, um, you know, you deal with a lot with the immune system and stuff like that. Is your business doing good with the COVID-19 as far as people looking to boost their immune system? Yeah, my patients that I'm continuing to work with and supplementing are, are just re-upping. And I just um, uh, did a consultation. I have patients in New York. I have one in Florida. I have some in Texas and Tennessee. So I have them all over the country as well. So I just... Um, I'm able to kind of keep them supplied because uh, what my uh, patient who lives in Tennessee, his acupuncturist that he was going to doesn't even go into her office anymore at all. Uh, I'm coming in and I'm doing bookkeeping and I'm catching things up and I'm fulfilling, you know, nutritional supplements for patients that need it. So is there a website that, you know, I can put up here for people? Yeah, want? it's it's uh, Osani health.com O-S- O-S-A-N-I Osani O-S-A-N-I health.com Alright, I'm going to put that out there for you on the you know, the preview for this so that's pretty yeah, cool if anybody you know I mean? needs any guidance, any support the other thing I'm going to say to you guys too is like start your day with some warm, warmer, just you know almost hot lemon water I've been Fresh hearing that squeeze in your water what it does is it alkalizes your system. Bacteria and viruses don't like alkaline environment to live. It'll kill them. So start your day with with a, you know warm lemon water. Drink it. You can have throughout the day if you want. You can have it at the end of the day. I tell people to kind of gargle with salt water, Himalayan salt water, at the end of the day in case there's any viruses in your in your mouth at the end of the day, so you don't sleep with it in your mouth. It takes. It sits in there sometimes two to three days in your mouth before then it goes travels into your lungs. Wow. So you can kind of flush this out on a daily basis, and you also are trying to alkalize your system so you stay healthy. Wow, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Awesome. I mean, you would never know that, like, if you don't look into it. But right. I know there was a like a I looked up for stuff with um, rheumatoid arthritis because yeah. I'm on I'm on some meds that are pretty heavy. Yeah. And I wish to get off them, but I know they say there's a link when you switch up your diet and you start eating the right things that yep. a lot of people don't need the meds anymore. Exactly. So, I mean, my, go ahead. my wife is a perfect example of that. Her mother had rheumatoid arthritis and I think around between 30 and 40 years old, she was actually in such bad shape. She had to be wheeled around in a, in a wheelchair. Oh my, God. my wife, every time she has her blood work, it shows up high rheumatoid factor. They want to put her on you know, medication. And we say, no, no, thank you. She's, um, we've done it all through nutrition and supplementation and she's a beast about not doing sugar. That's one of her big things or gluten, because if she does any amount of gluten or sugar, all of a sudden one of her joints starts to ache. You know, it's, it's weird because like when I got diagnosed with it, I didn't know what it was. So they put me on, um, prednisone. I blew up like yeah. 20 pounds. Um, you went up, right? Yeah. Then Oof. they put me on uh, the injections, like Humira, and that wasn't working for me. And yeah. I switched doctors, and the doctor's like, you have to go on methotrexate. Now I get Remicade every eight eight weeks. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I quit drinking for like eight weeks. I didn't drink a sip of alcohol. Yep. I said, all right, I'm feeling great. Let me see what it is. I think the minute I drank beer, it stayed in my body. Like if I had one yeah. beer, I don't know what's, if it's the wheat or the gluten, but I started getting aches again. My joints were hurting me. I don't know if it's a gluten, you know, something with the gluten, but I think I gotta like, I'm gonna try and go the holistic route because I do not want to be on these meds anymore. Yeah, yeah call guys. me because there's a there's a group of foods that I call pro-inflammatory foods, period. So there's eight pro-inflammatory foods that I usually test for people, do a quick muscle test for them. And then, you know, that's where we start. And then there's always what's called cross-reactive foods. So if you have a problem with gluten or if you have a problem with dairy, then you're also going to have probably have a problem with corn and you're going to have a problem with peanuts. And so I'm going to be a rabbit just eating lettuce and carrots. <laughs> yeah. So basically you're going to do vegetables and salads and lean protein and healthy fats. That's the, that's what I put most of my people on period. Nice. I tell them to go off when I muscle test, I test for each one of these, I test them for gluten, soy, dairy, corn, peanuts, sweet, uh, artificial sweeteners and sweeteners. Sometimes eggs are a big trigger for people. So somebody said to me like, oh, well, I went on the gluten-free diet and then it didn't do anything. Well, they were still eating, so they filled it in with corn. So the same part of your body doesn't break down the protein molecule and gluten is not going to break the gluten molecule in corn. Wow. There's a similar molecule. Same thing in dairy. So I take people off dairy and corn and soy and usually put them on, you know, just uh, sometimes they'll test okay for sheep or goat, you know, but it's really, and there's certain other uh, things. We'll do brown rice pasta, you know, so you can still have pasta. Right. You know, you don't have to feel deprived, but I, it's just, it's so much about the whole inflammatory process. And once you have a trigger, like if you had some gluten one day and then three days later you had corn. You, it's, you know, that, that inflammation cascade will happen sometimes for two to three weeks. And so if you're not off all of that for that period, I had a patient that was, we couldn't get rid of his back pain, couldn't get rid of his back pain, got it down. It just, and we cleaned his diet up. He just wouldn't quit drinking beer. And then he finally quit drinking beer and all of a sudden his back pain went away. And I was like, there it is. Wow. Your body just cannot handle that. And it causes inflammation. So you just got to know that's part of your gig, man. Do you uh do you advise any schools any wrestling like wrestlers on their diets at all or anything? So I just got called by Kevin Emily this last year, and one of his wrestlers was uh, at a certain weight and he wanted to drop down and you know he had three weeks to get ready for state and and districts and so he says well what do you think he should do and I said well send me you know. Tell him I want to know everything he's eating for breakfast and what he's eating for lunch, what he's for dinner. And I looked at what he was doing and I was like, this is easy. I can get him to drop eight pounds in three weeks and, and without losing any strength whatsoever. Wow. He was having like a Subway sandwich. So he's eating the whole bread. <laughs> yeah. He was having gravy on something <laughs> at the end of the day. I was like, Shh. like, that was like no brainer for me, man. It was like, take him off the bread, get him off the, you know, the gravy and the kid just dropped weight and he was like oh yeah he's he's already down at the weight and he's feeling really strong we're like it's just 
people don't, you know, they, they starve themselves and they eat the wrong food and they starve themselves and they eat the wrong food. Wow. So one of my things, what I do when I go and do an appearance or sometimes when I uh, go and just have a talk with the coaches um, at the beginning, before the tournament starts, I'll go over some of these nutritional, like, you know, insights and go, can't have these guys cutting weight. This is, this is, this is one of the most contraindicated things I would imagine in any sport that we're involved in like this, where you're going to go to battle and what are you going to do? You're going to starve yourself. You're going to dehydrate yourself and you're going to overexercise. Now you're going to go to battle. Does that make sense on any level? No, not at all. Not at all. But we did it. Yeah. You know, and kids are very resilient, but you can't keep doing that. You can't do that at the, you know, college level and, uh, your, you know, international level on and, and not have some sort of major stuff go wrong later in your life. Yeah. It's crazy. The shit I used to do to make weight and, you know, I'm sure, you know, back then it's just people were crazy. There was rubber suits back then, like the real rubber suits. Yeah. Water yeah, pills I used to take, uh, yep. X-lax, cut my hair, anything, shave my body, whatever I had to do to make weight, yeah. make myself throw up. It was crazy. Now today they have like hydration tests, which I guess is good. You know, cutting weight is a, is a black eye for our sport, but unfortunately everyone does it. So the thing is that the education process has to get out there. And it's just like what I'm doing with this one, this one wrestler and his coach. It was just, it was so simple. I just had him take out. I said like, okay, you can go to Subway. You just don't eat the bun. You can have this. I didn't want him to go there, but you know, you know, I don't want him eating processed meats. I don't want him to eat, you know, crappy proteins and junk right. food. That's got no nutrition. I want him to eat superfoods. I want him to eat whole foods. I want him to eat organic foods, you know, and, and just build, you know, give the body some micronutrients, some macronutrients. You, there's a smart way to do this. And you, you, the yo-yo thing is just got, we just got to get that out of our sport. True. You know, I, I start a thing where I do uh, a post. I post two months out from the beginning of wrestling season. I go, okay, here's a start. You got to start thinking about the weight you want to wrestle at and start now. And what you do that is you take the white foods out of your diet. We're going to start there. White sugar, white flour, white potatoes, you know, dairy products, you know, sodas, cookies, cakes, candies, that stuff. Now, John. take it out. Wow. You know, you need to get your uh, a weight that you need that you're going to wrestle at and be stabilized two weeks before the season starts. I wish I would have done that. Like, actually had someone show me how to cut weight the right way. Uh, yeah, because you do, I mean, people do it, you know, you, you cut down, you suck the weight. To make your weight back then we used to wrestle on wednesdays and saturdays were our matches so you know you'd suck weight all week and then you did on wednesday after wrestle you know after you weighed in cut weight for mm -hmm. the next two days eat again on saturday and then you know go back to the circle again start starving again i mean i wonder if i would have been a lot stronger back then just think i mean it's it's just makes so much sense like on so many levels like, like you know i when I cut this weight for Vision Quest, I went in and wrestled with the with the Eastern Washington wrestling team, and I could last like a one minute, and then I had no energy, and they would just be laughing, they'd be on top of me, throwing like halves on and, and flipping <laughs> me, and just kicking me around on the mat, laughing like you got no energy, you know, it's just like gone. Yeah, you have no endurance. First thing that goes when you are dehydration is your endurance. Yeah, so true, man. So. 
We have a mutual friend, uh, guy named Mike Gray. Yeah. How do you know Mike? Through Facebook. I've met a lot of guys on Facebook because I, I try and stay proactive in the wrestling community. You know, I do my best to show up. I Like I said, I post these nutritional guidelines. And I actually, after that first one that I post, I follow it up each month. And I hit I hit the month. This is uh, so this is one of the things that I, you know, we should talk about, too, is that that um, I go through three months of posts about how much sugar, how bad sugar is for you and how what it does to your body and that that it increases inflammation it suppresses your immune system, suppresses your hormones. Jesus. It feeds bacteria and viruses. You know, it's the leading cause for metabolic syndrome. And we have a 40% obesity issue in the United States. That means they're 100 pounds overweight. 40% of Americans are like this. And you know what the underlying causative factors for people that are dying from COVID-19? Yeah, their weight. The obesity, asthma, high blood pressure. So we have a bigger issue. Um that's crazy. We have a bigger issue here that we need to be talking about besides COVID-19. It's like we've got a fat society and it's yeah. getting fatter. And it's not just wrestling. Yeah, it's everybody. You so know, Mike, help yeah. you after wrestling. So Mike Gray, I guess, you know, you guys are friends on Facebook. I, I know him okay. because he's close to where I live and he brought okay. his kid to our club a couple of times. Uh, his son is pretty good. Actually, his younger son is a tough kid. Um, good. He's a, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. So... He said to me, he says, you will never meet anybody that has a that's a bigger fan of Vision Quest than me. <laughs> I have the original, I have like the original book, I have original script. I've got, you know, he helped Terry Davis because Terry Davis was the guy that wrote Vision Quest. Yeah, book. he's he's involved in in Hollywood. Yeah. And so he's producing films and things like that. And and so we've talked. And we keep talking about like, okay, you know, as soon as we can make this happen, man, we want to do some kind of a project that was like the follow-up to this Vision Quest. Really? And so I'm looking forward to Sequel? trying to do something with him some point <laughs> down the road. Wow, that'd be cool. You know, maybe like, like I said, them two wrestling against each other in college or something. Like no, that. no, they're older now, but I'm too old. It would have to be a beat the streets. Yeah. It would have to be a beat the streets. <laughs> or, or what you would have to do is you'd have to cast different people completely and just go. Here nah. we are next. You no, know, you got to go. You got to pick it up from where you are. Maybe your kids wrestle each other. I don't know. That'd be cool. So some, there's lots of lots yeah. of ways this can go. Meaning, like, okay, they both have kids that they can wrestle, or one of them has a daughter. And one of them has a son. They both wrestle, and it's going to be Romeo and Juliet. Like they, you know, they should never meet. And the fathers hate each other, and they hate, you know, you guys. But the kids fall in love. Who knows? That would be cool. You know? I mean, if um, I if I could have wrote a sequel back then or extended that movie a little bit, you know, you guys would have met down the line in states, and right. then you would have end up beating Loudon Swain and taking his girlfriend. But that was just my vision. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> we did a thing a year, a few years back where I was out at a, doing some uh, appearance and they started running this thing on, um, on one of the wrestling, um, sites, like who could come up with the best sequel to vision quest. So I was, as I was traveling, wow. people were submitting different things <laughs> and there were some pretty bizarre ones. Like, <laughs> like, you know, shoots kid is going through a, a transformation into a different sex. And then, 
you know, he oh wrestles. God. He wrestles Swain's kid. <laughs> I mean, there's some just crazy oh stuff God. that they're, you know, throwing out there. But That's crazy. One that I loved was the one that this guy, I think his name was Zach, uh, wrote that said, like, yeah, Frank, uh, uh, shoot, uh, wins and takes Carla and yeah. coach. And Cooch becomes his assistant coach, and and Loudon becomes this alcoholic. Yeah, and then they have a kid <laughs> shooting Carla, and Loudon has a kid, and those kids wrestle and shoots kid beats Loudon's kid after he stole his girlfriend. Yeah, of course. Too much. There's a lot. There's so many fun things you could do with it. You know, I'd I'd like to actually try and get Matt on the show and have you back. Yeah, and, and we could talk like you know just just go about like how it was like you know what I'm saying. I'm sure you guys. Had a lot of cool times on the set. So I really didn't know, you know, these guys because I was just kind of a, well, it's, it's weird because on set there's this hierarchy, right? And so there's eight, there's the A team, which is the people that have speaking roles. And then right. there's, you know, people that are extras. And then there's people that have, all, you know, just, they're just background. And then um, I was, and kind of not with the wrestlers because I had, I was in considered a speaking role uh, character. And so I had my own, uh, what they call star, you know, star trailer. And so I'm just in my star trailer by myself, but the actors really didn't look at me like I was an actor. So I wasn't really kind of brought into the, that group, you know, Right. They're like serious actors. I was just a wrestler that had got a role in a movie. So I just didn't hang with either group. So I was just kind of isolated during the filming. Um, Damn. And if you're not filming that day, you're not on set. You're right. not on, you know, so. But you had like such a key part though, even though like, you know, they didn't think you were like an actor. They thought you was a wrestler, but it was such a key part because when you think of that movie, I mean, yeah, everyone knows the story, but the first person that pops in your mind is shoot. All the wrestlers well, I, like shit. That's like, yo, he's gonna wrestle, dude. That's like, shoot. Nobody wants to wrestle, shoot. No, no, but everyone no. knows. Like, you got a, you got an opponent out there. Sometimes, or people are like, oh, this guy's like, shoot. <laughs> you better come to wrestle. <laughs> so his his whole, you know, the whole character was about like every, you know, wrestler wants to be shoot every, or they want to either be him or beat him. Yeah, you know, the the coaches like his mentality. The you know. So they want kids to wrestle on them. I mean, he's out there by himself carrying a log up stadium stairs, uh, even after he's like, you know, two, three times state champion, you know, he's a beast. Um, he's still out there training. Like he's, he's going to meet Drago in the next round. Yeah. Well, that's what great guys do, I guess, you know? Yeah. You know, we're running low on time here. I want you to leave us off with the best scene ever out of that movie, the bathroom scene. Can you do it? I can't. I, um, let me think about it. this. Has been a while since I've done that. It's usually it's the stadium scene. It was like a horror scene, actually. Like he fucking he's washing his face from the blood, and he comes right. up, and you're in the mirror looking at him. You got a problem? Yeah, I was like, you got a problem, man. You're yeah. a bleeder, and I like blood. Best line ever, <laughs> <laughs> Frank. It's been a pleasure. I hope to get you back on here again in the future. I'm gonna put a, a link to your website. Inside the uh, the bio here, it was great speaking to you. I hope you guys stay safe out there, you and your family. Continue to do great things. Continue to show up for any wrestling event that you can. 
You're, you're, you know, you're an icon for a lot of wrestlers, young and old. You know, you made history, and I appreciate that. Oh. Yeah, man, thank you so much, Frank. Just followed you on uh, Facebook, so. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like Nelson said, man, character was uh, inspiration right there. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, and buddy. Thank, thank you for you know doing what you're doing, which is you know you're you're creating some more content. You're bringing awareness. You know, you guys have a nice spin on things. You're having fun with it. It's like we we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. You know, until we get on the mat, and then it's like you know, that then is we're business. Serious, you know, it's like <laughs> then the, but, then the know, animal comes out. Good time outside. We can also have a life. We have, you know, we have a sense of humor. I hope. Real and, quick, uh, too. Yeah, I see that they sell shirts. Does is that part of you? So that's how I trained when I was weight training in the gym. I mean, I had people that would come up to me when I was, you know, eating lunch and in the pub at, at uh, Eastern Washington that were weightlifters and they would look at me and they go, Oh wow, man, you're just like insane. When you get in that weight room, you're just like, you're like possessed. And I was like, yeah, I kind of go a little crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm in there to tear it up. I'm in there to be a warrior. I'm in there to just like push myself to the max. So like, till I just ache and I have to recover till I get in there the next time. But I, just to give you an insight, like even before I was weight training, our family went to go snow skiing. This is, is when I was in third or fourth grade is when I first started snow skiing. And so we would go to this ski hill and uh, I would never come in. I would never miss uh, a, t a chance to ski another another time down the hill. Everybody in my family would take timeouts, go into the, you know, into the little the place Lodge there it gets you know inside and get warmed up drink hot chocolate yeah and hang out yeah. and chat and i was like forget that i'm gonna get in i wouldn't even come in i wouldn't stop i would go into the trees and pee and then i'd get back on the thing <laughs> pee. like no way my mother would bring a sandwich to me in line as i'm waiting to get on the next lift that's awesome so then when i'm dry you know when we finish the day i was like only in third or fourth grade and i get in the car and I would just be like tears coming down my face because my legs were in so much pain. But that was just, that was just my, that's just my character. That was just my. It's the animal in you. That was the animal. That's it. So that is, that is a lot of who I am. Frank, great speaking to you. All right. I'll check in with you shortly. Thank you once again, buddy. All right. You guys take care. All right. All right. See ya. Later All on. Right. Check out my boy's band, Me With Creeps. You can catch them on Amazon, Spotify, Apple Music. Thanks for listening to the Animal House Podcast. Later.